Welcome to the Give Them Something to Talk About podcast brought to you by She Tribe. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. We took a quick hiatus last week. Transparently, I did try to record a solo episode. It was top five worst things I produced in my life. And that includes the macaroni necklace I made for my mom in first grade. Um, but just a, just a quick update, maybe a PSA. I, well, you, you can decide what to call it, but I know everyone misses a lot in COVID and I exclude the important things like family, like health, like weddings, et cetera, et cetera. But if I can just talk about a quick first world problem, I would give a left arm because I'm right dominant to have a facial in which I felt comfortable taking off my mask Uh because I don't know if any of y'all have looked at your pores recently, but on Saturday night, I got down and dirty and I realized I have the most blackheads on my nose that I think I even had back when I was 13 and not on the pill. It is, it is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. And so I, I went to town, I got my exfoliator wand. I like stripped all this skin off and then don't tell my dermatologist. I use more than a pea size amount and I put it on my nose. And the next day I woke up, not no lie, 50% better. Wait, what did you put on your nose? I just, Oh, thank you. Like a lot of retin-A. Like retin-A to me is like a silent sleeper. Like I have it, but I don't often use it because I'm a little bit afraid of the over drying situation, yeah. but bygones be bygones. I just freaking let my nose have it. And give it, I already give it to better. God, give it to no, God, give, give it to Retin-A and give it to God. No, no, absolutely. So next week I'll have an update for you on the um, count of blackheads on my nose, but just so you guys know, I am actively working on it. Can so. we get a tally? Like, what did you think? How many do you think there were? Oh my gosh. No lie. I think 50. And I don't have like the well, biggest because notes. you have like probably 50 pores, right? So you're, you're going to say it's in each one. It is. There is not a pore on my nose that is not clogged. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, I haven't looked close enough to tell, but I don't guarantee. do it. No, 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 no. There's like those shocking moments. My mom has this, this very uh, intense mirror where every time I look at it, I seriously, no. I could pass away. I no. could pass away. I could no magnifying mirrors were built for by men or the patriarchy or someone who does not enjoy women because that thing is okay I'm triggered I can't get into it um, no don't get into it but I do have I got a new mirror and I um it is so triggering because it's not as skinny of a mirror as my existing one and I'm like oh really thanks it, you didn't I didn't realize the old one I'm talking like a floor length new mirror in my bedroom I didn't oh, no, realize I'm tracking yeah. I didn't realize the yeah. old one was, um, you know, my friend and this new yeah. one is my, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. It's basically like when you go to a carnival and you go into like that room <laughs> of mirrors and some of them make you look fly as hell. And some of them are, are like Veronica, Veronica in uh, Willy Wonka. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is devastating. Did you buy it online? Of course I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where, where are we? The fifties. So you could not do a trial. You could not stand in front of no. the mirror before you bought Wow. Wow. And they don't say in the reviews, like no one mentioned what the reflection looks like, you know, (laughs) asking for a friend, for a friend, what is, would you consider this a skinny mirror and uh, how skinny and how many pounds are we talking? (laughs) I didn't tell you this, but I came up with a new hobby for us. (gasps) Oh, what? 
you know how people these days, like specifically, I feel like it's become more popular. People are embroidering words into t-shirts or anything. Yes, 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 yes. I decided last night in my, I wasn't fully in my REM cycle, but I was about mm. to fall asleep yeah. um, that I wanted to become an embroiderer. So I yeah. bought us all of the tools necessary in the kit. No, you did it. No, I did. I'm, I, you guys, I am truly learning this in real time. And it's not just like needles and thread. You need the whole gamut. You need like this paper that helps you uh, hold down the cloth better. You need this ring that also kind of like, it, it takes the shirt and really hones in on the area mm. that you need to sew. So yep. that's going to be our new thing. And maybe we we make podcast t-shirts. We make She Tribe t-shirts. We make all of the t-shirts. Let's have words on them. Okay. I have to tell you that I, and my mom could um, confirm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the most artistic person in the world, but you feel confident we can do this. I mean, I don't feel confident at all, but I feel that it is, you know, I bought a guitar. I, I tried to use it for two months and then I stopped. I started making jewelry for a year, then I stopped. So okay. I have really high hopes for this. Okay? No, yeah, no, this sounds absolutely incredible. Um, So Allie, thank you so much. Maybe this is the hidden talent we never knew we had. Well, I got enough for you because I was like, this is something that we need to commit to together. Whether, no. whether you, you were on board or not. So I am, I'm always on board for a quick embroidery moment. Um, let me tell you, it's not quick. I watch YouTube videos. It takes forever. Um, but guys, this is an exciting episode because it's the first time we've had a guest, uh, Ooh. really, really cool guest. Um, we have Kelsey Erickson, who is a career and life coach. She has her own coaching firm called Everme Coaching. We talk about what it's like to just feel freaking lost and confused yep. and not know what you want out of your, we mostly talked about career. Yep. Um, and yeah, she gives some solid advice, solid pieces of feedback. If you're feeling stuck, unclear, uncertain. Yep. Yeah. For So for that small subset, and it's probably a lot bigger than I'm thinking of who are tired of just hearing Allie and I, this is your big <laughs> day because we're adding in a third voice. So without further ado, let's hop in. So we are here with Kelsey Erickson, and we are so freaking pumped to have her today. This is our first guest, like we said. Kelsey, how are you? Good. How are you? Happy am, to be here. I am honestly mediocre, but so happy to have you here. I'm always very average. Oh, how are you? I mean, I feel I was going to kind of say average, but I feel like our overall average needs to be brought up. So I'll come in at like a B maybe a, you know, a B plus if I really push myself, this is, this is definitely why we got to a B plus instead of a C, but hopefully by the end of this chat, dare I say it, we may be in the A range. Oh, let's check in at the end and see where we're at. How about that? <laughs> I love that. So hi guys, this is Hope. I will keep my talking to a minimum and let Kelsey introduce herself. One of the most telling things to know about me now that we're talking about grades is like, I am a classic high achiever. So like, if we don't end this thing at an A, I'm just going to like crawl under a rock. Um, mad at but, us. <laughs> um, but I'm Kelsey Erickson. Um, I met Allie through a friend that I met through work. Um, and I'm just so excited to be here with both of you. Um, I'm a Midwest gal living in Minnesota, which is um, just starting to warm up, which is phenomenal. I'm all about spring and both basically just not about winter. Um, <laughs> a great place married, to live. <laughs> married, have a dog. Yeah, it really is, but it's just a little cold. Um, 
married, have a dog. Yeah. That's What's your dog's name? What type of dog? Well, his name is Pico and we bought him as a Yorkshire Terrier, but I'm pretty sure he's mixed with a Schnauzer. So I call him a Snorky. Um, okay. Follow up. Kelsey, have you done DNA testing on your sweet little Pico? No. Okay. Well, I've done it on myself, but not on Pico. <laughs> I, um, just bit the bullet for my dog Theo and DNA tests for dogs are more expensive than DNA tests for humans. I do not understand, but you just have to drop like a cool 320 and you can know um, what he is and also what genetic diseases he's predispositioned for, which is horrifying. Um, but you know what? Let's get away from that depressing topic. Why don't you tell us before we get into what you do, we are dying to know when you were in kindergarten, what did you think your career was going to be? When I was in kindergarten, I thought for sure I was going to be a teacher. Mm. And I think that's because school started. But <laughs> funny enough, prior to kindergarten, I had this little, um, probably like Fisher Price, like fake microphone radio set. And I yes. used to like hide in the house and like talk like I was like a news person or like I was on a podcast, podcasts weren't around then, but it's just, you know, it's funny how things come full circle. But yeah, teacher was the main thing for a long time. I feel like in kindergarten, there was like, people want to be a teacher, a veterinarian, something in like a firefighter or police. And then it's just like a wild gambit of one-offs that you were like, okay, you made that up. Yeah. Most people are like, I want to be a financial analyst at a large corporation. <laughs> yeah. They get, they get, uh, the jobs get more boring the closer you get to actually having to hold one of them. <laughs> I feel like that's a perfect way for you to tell us now what you do, what you actually do and all about how you got into it. Well, the reason I didn't pursue the teaching thing is because I had a limiting belief that teachers didn't make any money. And in college, that was the reason why I didn't major in teaching. I didn't go into education. Um, I'm really, at this time, not so sure why I was so concerned with that, because more money doesn't necessarily mean more happiness or more success or anything yeah. like that. Um, so what I did end up doing is I got into financial services right after college. I went to a small liberal, liberal arts school, um, in Minnesota and, uh, it was okay. It was a good job on paper. It looked great. Everyone was proud of me. All those things that, um, maybe other overachievers out there look forward to. Yep. And it just wasn't for me. I got super burnt out. It was a really, really hard experience. Um, you know, like I said, on paper, it was great. I was going through leadership development trainings, professional development. I was leading teams at a super young age. It had all the right things, but just something was not adding up, um, mostly in my heart. And from that burnout, I was like, there's gotta be something else. I tried new jobs, went to different companies and I just like, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, work should be fun. Like, I just know that to my core, like work should be fun. Um, so I ended up doing a, an informational interview with a woman that went to the same college as I did. And she had her own coaching business, a life coaching business. So at the time I was asking about both those things. I was like, ah, coaching sounds kind of cool because I feel like I've been giving advice since like I was in second grade. And then having your own business was intriguing to me because um, though I don't have anyone in my family that I saw like own their own business or run their own business, I was just super drawn to what it meant to be an entrepreneur and what that 
life was like. And before we even hung up the phone, I was like, I'm doing this. Literally knew nothing about having a business, literally knew nothing about being a coach, but it just felt so right. I just knew in that moment that that's exactly what I needed to do. So um, a short five to six months after that, I launched Evermeet Coaching, which is my company um, focusing mostly on career and life coaching for millennial women um, who struggle with the same thing as I was. Like you're in this job that looks good, but you hate it and you don't want to go to work on Sunday nights um, and a myriad of other things that I, I love and I'm interested in. But that's what I'm doing now. Um, but that is my five to nine right now. My nine to five is that still a financial services company, but I'm doing strategic planning and project work, which is, you know, if I could have a dream job in the corporate space, it would be that. So I feel very fortunate to be able to do both right now. Yeah. Kelsey, I think you bring up such an interesting point of, I feel like every woman at some point during college has to make the decision of if they're going to go with like the safe traditional path, probably encouraged by parents and family. And then there is another path, of course, of doing, you know, what you dream. And I feel like at least from my perspective and experience was exactly like yours. Like I actually was enrolled both in the business school and the communication school. I really wanted to be like a writer, but my whole family was like, you won't make any money. So you have to get a business degree. And then from there on out, I feel like there's such pressure to make good money when you get out of college because everyone's like, you spent so much and I feel like your experience is so relatable. Then you get two, three, four years down the line and you're like, I hate this job or this is so unfulfilling, you know? Yes. Yes. And that, that was literally my exact experience. I remember sitting in my car on campus, just sobbing because my choice was between um, going down the route of a financial advisor, which is very entrepreneurial and you essentially have your own business or going to the other company, which was more stable. And like, that's like what my parents wanted. Um, love my parents, but to your point, like I had to learn how to make my own decisions Yeah, and it just was, it was such a conflict and it's, um, yeah, I think we all kind of struggle with that in different ways and don't get me wrong. Like I love money. I want more of it, but at the same <laughs> yeah, time, if you're not, if you're not right in your heart about what it is you want and why you want it, then the money doesn't make a difference. It's not, I don't know. Right. at the end of the day, it's your life and you're the one living it. So you got to be happy with it. What's difficult too, is a lot of times we don't know our choices. So it feels like the only choice might be to go the corporate route. Cause that's like what you're seeing recruiters on campus look for. Yeah. And, and that's really like the, mo the majority of jobs that were available to our parents. But now in the age of internet, like there are so many other choices, which adds other difficulties as well. Like you have so many choices, more money, more problems. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do I, I know that I've struggled with that. And like part of the reason we started She Tribe is because um, we wanted to help empower like younger women and women in college to understand that like you don't have to have it all figured out in college. You don't have to have it all figured out by the time you're your age or our age, which is 30. Like I, yeah. I'm still sitting here as we're, you're talking being like, hmm, <laughs> what should I do? Yeah. But, um, so I definitely think that like what you're doing will help a lot of people who yeah. feel very unclear of their future, which, you know, Hope and I are sitting here. I know I can speak for both of us that we feel unclear about our future as well. So yeah. do you yeah. want to tell us what life coaching means? What is life coaching? Yeah, I get this question a lot, especially from prospective clients. So um, it can be a lot of different things. And I think especially depends on who you are working with. Um, for me, though, what it means is coaching is 
very much about eliciting from you those truths or those things that you have in your heart that are going to be those answers or that clarity that you need. So oftentimes on my coaching calls, like I hardly say anything. Sometimes I ask maybe one or two questions and the person is just like reeling, like their intuition starts (laughs) acting in. Um, They get these answers that are coming out and this clarity that they just like hadn't seen before. So I think part of the power of coaching is that orating and just being able to speak your experience and what is going on in your mind. Um, some differentiators though, sometimes, um, people might see coaching as like, you're hiring somebody to give you advice. And to me, that's more on the consulting side. Like it is rare that I take my coach hat off and put my advice giving hat on to my clients. Um, but again, coaches of all different walks of life might have a different response on that, but that's how I view it is really I already know you have the answers at the end, you know, I just have the special gifts to help bring them out. Yeah. I feel like people sometimes treat life coaches and by people I'm speaking of an experience of one <laughs> as like borderline therapy. Like I'm, I don't know if you feel that way too. Like sometimes when I show up, I, you want to have like an organized, clear thought of what we want to work on. But then I spend 25 minutes talking about <laughs> my day and how like sad I am. And then the poor woman's like, okay, that's why you have a therapist. I need you to focus on actual like goals and objectives. So I'm sure you get like a little bit of both when your clients call you. Yeah. And it's the way I look at it is to me, therapy is more like that past leading up to now. So like, how do we filter through that information? Whereas coaching is very much like right now and the future. So right now we might need to talk about your day. But ultimately, at the end of the conversation, we're going to be talking about how do you use this moving forward? Um, but yeah, you never know what's going to come up on a call. Oftentimes, it is just whatever happened that day. And I think there's oftentimes a lot of clarity just to come that can that you can find just right in that present moment. Basically, yeah. people just need someone to listen to them and help guide them. Yes. Like, who's unbiased. Like, yeah. So you're not talking to your mom about this you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. You're not, you mean, you're not talking to the person that made you feel like you should do a certain thing. You're actually talking to somebody who's yeah. Totally. Igniting the fire within. Yeah. 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 Hi moms. <laughs> Hi moms. We love you. Um, we love you. <laughs> well, we do want all of your life coaching advice. So we yep. figured we'd go through a few different scenarios and see what you would tell someone if they were in this position. So, um, kind of you had, mentioned in college, like you didn't know exactly what to do and you felt torn. What advice would you give to someone that feels that way right now? A big thing that I learned about in college that added to my confusion was around vocation and life purpose and living, you know, that highest self or that doing your highest work. Um, And that really just kind of sent me for a frenzy because, you know, not only was it hard enough to know just like the modality of work that I wanted to do, marketing, sales, finance, that sort of thing, but then to be motivated to do purposeful work added a whole nother layer to it. Because at the time I thought purposeful work meant um, nonprofit work, or I needed to go on a mission trip to be doing something that was purposeful, or I just, I didn't fully understand it. So it added a lot of confusion. Um, you know, I think when you're first figuring out what you want to do, it sounds so cliche, but like, what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? Um, don't try to be super logical about it. Like, don't say I'm passionate about making jewelry. So I need to go work at a jewelry company. Like it can come to you in so many different ways, but if you're clear on what it is that you're curious about and what you want to learn more about, 
that's always a place to start. And then the other thing to think about too, is just like, what skills are you going to need to have when you're out in the real world? Because oftentimes I encourage people just to take roles or opportunities that are going to get you a certain skill set. So like for me, my job right out of school was very heavy on professional development, leadership development. So I learned so much on like, like facilitating meetings, being, being an effective presenter, all those different skills that I've carried with me literally in every job and in starting my company. Um, So sometimes it's a matter of more of what is it that you're trying to learn? But I think the worst thing you could do if you don't know what to do is to do what you feel like someone else is telling you to do, because the second you go against your heart or your intuition on something, you're going to get burnt out. And I can speak to that from experience because that's exactly what happened to me. No, yeah. that was me at my first job. I took the job that I was kind of forced by <laughs> mom and dad to do. <laughs> and I truly was so, so, so unhappy. And I, and I knew that like, I, I, th- I kind of felt like I was in a movie where I like wanted to break free and like follow my passion. But it, yeah, I, I didn't quite know what that was till I found, till I found AKA created she tried. So, but yeah. if I, it sounds like you had an amazing like first step because they focus on really foundational skills. I remember at my first job, I didn't even know how to set up a meeting. Like I literally didn't even know how to send <laughs> yeah. an email. I was like, I don't know how to send a formal email. You're not used to that. No, I know. And actually you bring up such a good point. Cause we, when we talk to women in college all the time, there's this really big emphasis of, I have to get an internship in the field that I want to go into. And if I don't get an internship in that field, then I'm a failure, but you're exactly right. Like stop focusing on like the industry or the actual job and focus on the skills that you can develop because like I used to work, um, we always say this, like I used to be a babysitter, like my whole life. And generally people think about that and they're like, what skill did you learn besides like negotiating with a two-year-old? But there is a lot of things you can pull of like being attention to detail and, and conflict resolution, even though the person you're talking to may be an eight-year-old, like there are so many skills. And I wish in college, I had known what you just said, like just find areas where you can develop skills and don't care about the brand name of the company um, or, you know, what the title is. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, you said the thing about internship. My very first internship was at a company um, that makes like the manufacturing parts for like picture, like a the tool that would pump like the stuffing up an Oreo onto the cookie. Like oh they did God. stuff like that, which yeah. like, what? I'm not doing literally anything in that industry, anything in that but my internship was in sales and marketing and like, I'm still using those skills today, especially as a business owner. So right. the company itself was like, not ever where I was going to be long-term, but it got me the experience I needed. And I think the other thing that we struggle with is how do I translate what I learned in that role, whether it was a, an official role or it was babysitting or nannying or whatever, how do I translate that into, you know, a marketable way of describing what it is that I bring to the table. And yep. that's probably a whole other conversation that we need to have at some point, but there's a, yeah. if there's a will, there's a way and I will find it. So if anyone wants to talk, like, how do I translate my nannying job into this financial analyst role to use the example earlier? Like, let's talk, like I can come up with a story. We'll figure it out for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. I always think that like, 
my piece of advice is exactly what you guys are saying. Focus on the skill. I, it's so hard not to focus on wanting the sexy job, the sexy name, the new brand, yeah. the startup that like everyone wants that same job. But the reality is if you go to that job, you might just be getting coffee. Like there's a chance that that yeah. might be just what you're doing. So maybe choose the less, less sexy role that you know, you're going to have more hands-on experience, learning skills. And yeah. then like, eventually you'll be potentially more qualified for that sexy company or that company that you've been dying to work for. So focus on the skills. And I think that will take you a lot further than trying to get that like perfect, perfect company from the get-go. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Well, we beat that one into the ground. Basically I did. Uh, <laughs> what advice, Kelsey, let's take this to, to um, maybe someone that is already in their career. What advice do you have for someone that is feeling stuck? My latest definition of stuck is when fear and perfection keep winning. So more times than not, fear and perfection are winning. And maybe that resonates, maybe it doesn't. But for me, it makes a lot of sense. And when I look back on times when I was stuck in my career, it makes a lot of sense. Um, there's really three ways that I think we find ourselves stuck within what we're doing. One is when our values aren't aligned with the work that we're doing. So if you haven't taken a hot second to figure out what your life core values are, do that first, because it's very telling. Um, if you value generosity and you are working for a company that is motivated by greed, like it's not ever going to be a good fit because your values are the truest part of who you are. Yeah. The second thing is if you haven't broken out of that should cycle yet, so mom and dad said I should do this or society said I should be at this level by now, um, that is going to get you stuck time and time again. Because again, you're living for somebody else's life. You're not taking ownership of your own life and where you're going. And then the third thing is a lack of boundaries. So oftentimes women especially will find themselves stuck when they have just let boundaries out the door. So all of a sudden you're working 80 hours a week and you're wondering why you're not getting promoted or getting moved up. It's because you've made yourself too valuable. They're not going to change you when you've already taken on so much and you're over delivering and overperforming. Um, so the quick way to combat that is every year, like the top, you should have, I don't know, call it 15 to 20% of your job should be rolling off your plate and onto somewhere else where I don't know, work with your boss on that, make the case that it just needs to stop so that you every year have that 15 to 20% place to keep growing and to keep moving into new things. But if you just open the floodgates and you take on everything and you overcommit yourself, you're going to find yourself stuck because you're just essentially at that point, you're overworked and you're probably bored because you just keep getting the same projects and stuff. Um, I just feel like I said a lot. Did I even answer that question? <laughs> yes, you did. And I feel like you bring up two really critical points. So the first of fear, we were just thinking, and you're an entrepreneur, how um, women are so risk adverse when you compare them to men. And I think that's a big piece of why what keeps us in our jobs is we are so scared of trying something new. And also we're just, if we a whole nother conversation we could have is on confidence, but this idea of like, I'm not going to apply for the job I really want unless I'm 90% qualified. And so we're stuck. You're exactly right. You're stuck in this fear of, 
I can't move forward because I'm not qualified. And then on top of that, as women, we're yes people. We have such a hard time saying no. We think if we say no, you know, people won't like us as much or that will affect, you know, how people feel about us in the workplace. So we don't get that 15 to 20% because we're unwilling to say no to work on something that we love. And so it makes total sense why you get into the cycle of where you're, you're completely trapped. And it takes, I mean, at least for me, I'm still working on it and I'm 30. I still struggle with saying no. And I just think it's really interesting that you brought that up and something to keep in mind. I think we think of stuck so much in like a financial situation and not so much about the underlying currents of what are actually like keeping us there. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, part of me thinks it is though, just like you get to a point, for example, we've been working out of college for like eight years now. And so now, yes, there's reasons why I feel stuck, like over committing or fear, but then I also just like, is it normal for me to go get like the entry level position in a different industry? I mean, I assume that's like something that people ask you about all the time, Chelsea. Is that true? Yeah. And I would fully support someone doing that. I mean, if you, if there is a role or a new opportunity that resonates with you, you more and lights you up and gets you out of that stuck funk, I mean, go do it. Like who cares if it's entry level? Like, again, like no one else is living your life at the end of the day, no one else is responsible for your life other than you. So if you want to stay in a job that makes you unhappy or that you're stuck and hit your pillow on your head or you hit your head on your pillow every night, feeling like, I hate my job. Why did I do this today? Yeah. Then do that or do the thing that's going to allow you to go to bed at the end of the night feeling like, wow, I'm living my life. I'm aligned with my values. I'm doing work that I love and who cares what anyone else thinks about it. I'm excited to wake up tomorrow and get back to it. I think, I mean, we're 30, we're acting like we're a hundred. And so I imagine this advice, like, I know there's plenty of people in their fifties, even sixties that like, want to try something new and it's we're so obsessed with like image and how we look at the beginning like could I go entry-level role would that just be so bizarre but like really I think you you put it perfectly like who the fuck cares yeah and I added the fuck because I am a bad I like it yeah no you you bring up a good point you know this spans across all different ages and all different phases of your life um a couple of years ago, I was doing a brainstorming on like, you know, what is the vision for my company, for myself? Like, what does that look like? And one of the lines I came up with that feels applicable to share now is to do this work to eliminate regrets from deathbeds. Because like at the end of your Ooh, life, yeah. you don't want to look back and be like, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have, you know, done more of this or less of that. Like, just do it now. Like, it's okay to have a living legacy in which you're every day making decisions that are going to add up, you know, to what you were put here to do. So, wow, Kelsey, yeah. you just dropped some, some truth bombs. I want to yeah, steal. That is profound as hell. <laughs> <laughs> thank no. you. Thank you. See, what is it? It's pre- re- preventing regrets on deathbeds. Hashtag eliminating. <laughs> yeah, eliminating regrets from deathbeds. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You that feel that? Be the name of your coaching practice. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, <laughs> might as well. I should start it up. I just start another company quick. Start another company quick. It's no big deal. It's easy. I mean, I probably will now that you suggested it. <laughs> it should, yeah, it's just your tagline. Yeah. We a commercial of you and no, absolutely. Preventing. Regret, and 
preventing regrets from the deathbed. Yeah. Eliminating. Sorry. 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 Imagine the imagery. Well, actually that's a perfect segue into starting businesses. Ali and I have started She Tribe. As you know, it's a community for college age women to learn how to adult. And as part of that, or just a part of being an entrepreneur in general is, is testing out new things and hoping that they will succeed. And, and sometimes they do it and sometimes they fail. And so how would you recommend kind of getting out of that funk of failure or, or even having the courage to try again, knowing that it, you know, you have firsthand experience of what it looks like when it doesn't do well. Okay. The very first thing that popped in my head is just like in general, whether you have a business or not, like the way to get more comfortable with failure is to be continuously doing new things, right? Put yourself out of your comfort zone period. And that's how you're going to get acclimated to failure. And you'll realize that most of the time it's not actually failure what's happening. It's just, you're learning how to do things differently the next time you do them. So if you can switch it in your head from failure to learning, I think that's a big step. And I share this as something I I learn, I have to learn that every day. Yeah. Um, I, you know, from in terms of launching something and like putting yourself out there, whether it is the first time you're telling people about your business, or you're launching a new offering or package, things like that. I think a couple of things can go on. One, you could have just launched too late. Um, meaning like the perfection thing again, like just try to get it perfect, try to get it all squared away, wrapped up, tied with a bow. But by the time you launched it, you know, you didn't get any customer feedback. You weren't able to iterate along the way. Like it, it became a final product that was like set in stone and you never really intended it to be set in stone. So then you don't know what to do when you get feedback or inputs that say, oh, we don't really want this or can you tweak this? And then it just feels sort of weird. So then you feel kind of, you start to feel like a failure because the inputs you're getting, um, you don't really know what to do with them because you've delivered something in stone. Right. The other thing is, and I felt I have fallen victim to this so many times is not giving it enough time to breathe. So like, there's so much anticipation that goes into launching something. And then you put it out there and you're like, Oh, like you think like the angels are going to come down and like, everything is going to happen all at once. And then like, it's like crickets. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean it was a failure or it doesn't mean that you launched the wrong thing. It just means like that now becomes something that you need to tweak along the way. And maybe it's more clear messaging, or maybe it's adapting how you're talking about it. What maybe you were only doing social media, but what you really need to be doing is webinars. Or you need to be doing meetings with people. Um, so just not giving enough time to breathe, I think is kind of a trap, um, especially for myself. Um, and then this one, I, I am challenging myself on this left and right is just, maybe I just wasn't really excited about it. Maybe the intention that I had behind launching it was not the right intention. Like if your intention is off when you're doing something, Like, are you launching this thing to be of service to people or are you launching this thing to get more followers or just get sales or whatever? Like your intention radiates through whatever medium you're putting the thing out there. So your audience will always pick up on that. And if the intention, your intention is off, your energy is off, they're going to feel that. And they're not going to want it either because you didn't even really want it in the first place. Like, I think Allie, you and I talked about this right when quarantine started, I launched my first digital product terrible time to launch a product. Um, but I, I just, I was launching it with the energy of like, I just need to get this out there. I just, I've been working on it for so long. I just got to get it out there and then launched it. And that was the energy of it. Like, Oh, she checked the box. Like, I imagine that's like what the audience felt like when I launched it. Right. So you really have to be in tune with what your energy and your intention is behind the work that you're doing. Um, cause I think that just makes the biggest difference in it. And plus, like I said, 
to my core believe work should be fun. So if it doesn't feel fun and exciting, then like, why are we doing it? We just have should you, stop that. On that note, have you found that your clients um, all have found fun job? Like what is generally the output of working with you? It depends for each individual client. I've had a handful of clients who like, while we're working together, they quit their job and they're starting an entrepreneurial journey, whether that's their diving headfirst into blogging or launching a business. Um, others are on the other end of the spectrum. They're still trying to figure out what it is that they want and what that clarity is and what action that they're going to take. You know, I'm as a coach, like I said, I'm here to elicit answers, but I'm not going to be, you know, completely holding your feet to the fire, making sure you do something or not. Um, but then I think when you are aligned with your values, that in and of itself just makes work feel more fun. So like, you know, okay, here's a tangent. Work is always work. Like you could have your own business or you could be working for somebody, but like at the end of the day, work is work. Yep. And you still need like balance and boundaries between all the different, you know, areas of your life. But, you know, don't get confused that just because you have a business, that means it's not work. Oh, no. I don't know. You Absolutely know? Yeah. not. It's, it's an entirely different type of work, but it's, it's actually, it can be argued. It's a lot more at times. Um, and I, I was just thinking, as you were talking about your clients, like I bet a lot of people come to you, as you said, they know, they probably know their final answer. They're just looking to talk through it with someone and get some guidance and clarity. So like, I bet a lot of the people you that are coming to talk to you are probably going to go to the side of like breaking free, making the switch. Cause they're just really looking for like the green light. That's yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it comes, like you said, we could have a whole other episode just on confidence, but a lot of times it is just, it's courage. And the thing that I try to teach so that ultimately they walk away with is this concept of like a creatively designed life. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what your job is or, you know, what you do outside of work, but like that, the fact that you're doing it with intention and with your best interest in mind, that's what makes a creatively designed life. And I think that's ultimately what we're all looking for. It's just, there's different expressions of how we can do that. Um, but, you know, back to the uh, launch question, one of the things I was thinking about for the two of you is what is your take on a launch? Like, how does that work for you? Like, how do you know if it's successful? How do you know if you're just like, oh crap, I think we failed. Like, what does that look like at She Tribe? I mean, I think it's always the, the first, you know, Thing you go to is like revenue, like how much revenue did I generate? If it, you know, it completely missed the mark, then obviously it was a failure or it's even, it could be something so basic as, um, you know, let's say hosting an event and not that many people are SVP. And so I guess that it actually, you bring up a really good point of generally success, at least in our opinion, or I'll speak for myself is, is, um, quantitative. It, there's a number associated to it. And so if we don't hit that number, regardless of like the learning experience, um, or, you know, the intention behind it, those fall to the wayside. And it's, it's certainly a very, a very black and white world. Yeah. I have to say with so many things we've done, we've like hope said, measured it quantitatively, but then like you look back and we had such a good time doing it. Um, so I, it's always going to go to the numbers, how we deem it a failure or a success. But I, I think like, if I just hear that people enjoyed their time or enjoy, enjoyed what we made, then to me, like that helps me sleep at night too. So yeah, we always say if, if one person 
like had an impact on one person or two people or three people, then it's worth it. Um, cause it's, it's so much more rewarding. We like, for example, we had a panel and maybe not that many people showed up to the panel, but after the Q and a, we answered three questions that really impacted the way that that person's going to go about, let's say finding a job that is so rewarding, even though we didn't hit our, you know, our attendance quota, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there's a hundred people there, so we're pretty fucking cool. You know? (laughs) Oh, but what you're describing, what you're describing, and I think it's really important for people to know whether they're navigating their career or starting a business is there are different types of exchanges in this. And yes, there is the financial exchange, but there's also that energetic exchange of you, maybe you didn't hit your revenue goal, but you literally just changed someone's life. And like, I don't think you can put a price tag on that. Yeah. yeah I don't agreed. think that there is a price in the world you can put on that. And that's, um, same for learning too. I don't think there's a price tag you can put on that. Um, but just, it's something for people to keep in mind too, that oftentimes, especially for, from the job perspective, you might not necessarily get the salary you want. Let's say you have to do that, jump back to entry level. Um, but you might be feeling more fulfilled at work. You're learning a ton more that's going to translate into future opportunities. Like there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And you know, that salary or that numeric number might not always be like the end all be all, but it is very important. I mean, we got to make a living. We, you want to be in business to generate revenue, et cetera. But um, yeah, a lot of people get hung up on that, the money conversation. So yeah, that's what if I you're listening to this and you're, you're at the, you know, fork in the road, trying to pick money over pa- like passion or what fuels your fire. I please, please, please pick the passion. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. Um, Kelsey, we could probably continue this conversation for another four hours, but um, we will let you go. We will not hold you captive. But one final question is if you could go back in time and tell your college self something, what would you tell them? Wow, that is a good question. Um, Right off the top of my head, I would say, take a deep breath. And beyond that, I would say, trust that everything is going to work out in your favor. Yeah. Oh, Kelsey, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming um, on, on the podcast. If people want to connect with you, can you just let them know how they can, how they can find you? Uh, the place I'm most active will be on Instagram because everybody does it for the gram, uh, <laughs> at evermy coaching is my handle. Um, otherwise www.evermecoaching.com. Uh, you can sign up for my blog. I also have a free quiz out there, um, just to help with some of the self-reflection and figure out, you know, where you might need some more of that clarity. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much. It was so fun to hear about your journey and to get advice. I think it will impact a lot of people. And like we said, can't put a price tag on that. (laughs) Nope, you cannot. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay, well, hopefully we'll talk soon. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye, Kelsey. Bye, Kelsey. See ya.